Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And if, of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge live live stream. I'm your host, editor Madhuni Christian. I'm joined today by Captain Joe DePete, the president of the Airline Pilots Association, or ALPA, as we call it in the industry. Um, thank you for joining us. I want to, uh, Captain, Captain DePete, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I am too, Madhu. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Lots of important issues to discuss today. So. Oh, yeah. You've had a busy, busy half year. <laughs> yeah, I could say, you know, since 2019, I joke with everybody. I said, when we took office, you know, it's a four-year term, and I was the first vice president for four years. We took office at a time when we had a government shutdown. Right. Then we had a, an unprecedented grounding of an airplane, right? The Boeing 737 right. MAX. And now we have a global pandemic. So I'm not sure if Locust is next. But uh, we have, but my team has been tested in fire, and they've done an extraordinary job. <laughs> don't don't tempt fate, please. <laughs> I I'm, will not I'm looking it. at my window, no. <laughs> hoping not to see any locust land. So, Captain DePete, yes, been sir. a busy, busy um, half year, and be, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things we could talk about with this pandemic. But the first thing I really want to talk about is the CARES Act, and just this was a remarkable sort of coming together of management and labor. And, you know, my 20 years of covering this industry, it's, you know, it's fair to say that the relationship between management and labor has not always been as smooth as it, as it could be. And it is generally, you know, contentious. Both have uh, different sides. I remember specifically um, the concession contra- concessionary contracts in the sure. early 2000s and the uh, just the fraught labor negotiations back then. But then when, when the pandemic struck, it was really, really remarkable to see sort of how the unions, all the unions and right. all the airlines came together to, to press the case with Congress. And I was wondering if you could just sort of walk us through how that process played out sort of from the, from ALPA's view. How did, how, what, the, the timeline or TikTok, as we call it in the industry, of how yeah, sure. it worked with, uh, with the CARES Act. Yes. So like, uh, you know, so very early on when we recognized that uh, the COVID crisis was here and it was hitting hard, uh, you know, we, we really, I think we did really good because we got started very early. And we began to work with our companies, right, uh, to develop mitigations because we knew this was going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, the care, you mentioned the CARES Act because I think it's the most, it's a historic piece of legislation, right, where there's the amount of uh, pro-worker uh, components in it, not to mention restrictions on stock buybacks or dividends and those types of things. But um, it, it, it really was such an important piece to extend the, you know, pay, uh, the, the, our worker protections. But I want to point out to everybody, October 1st, that all ended. Right. Yeah. So we really do need a second package. I think we all expected to be in a different place than we are right now. And we can all speculate on why we're not. Uh, everybody has their own opinion about that. Uh, but be that as it may, it's real, right? When pilots are typically used to dealing with reality in the cockpit, we don't have time for too much speculation. Uh, we deal with the facts, right? The data. And the data is if we want a faster recovery, if we don't want a protracted recovery, if we want to help all workers 
the economy, and protect the health of our nation. We really need to look very closely at how important uh, an in, a reinfusion of the CARES Act or an extension of the CARES Act, regardless of how it happens, whether it's in a standalone bill or whether it's uh, you know part of a bigger or larger package. Mm-hmm. It's so important, and I can't overemphasize that to your well, listeners. That- that's a that's a really interesting point, right? I mean, I was talking to an airline analyst, you know, one of the Wall Street folks, yep. um, about the original CARES Act and the, the the thinking behind the payroll support program was that uh, we were going to experience a V-shaped recovery in air travel yeah. demand, right? That was a and hope. that, that, that was a and hope. the the CARES Act would sort of form the bridge between the two right. elements of the V. Um, that hasn't come to pass. Now we're looking. But leaving aside the larger economy, we're looking sort of, IATA has said that the air air travel demand is likely not to come back to 2024. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the three major carriers that have reported their third quarter earnings this um, so far, Delta American and uh, Delta American and Southwest. Right. And also United, I'm sorry, four carriers um, have said that uh, um, uh, they expect demand to be half of what it was through the end of next year. Right. And they'll have to be half the size. So I I understand the importance of payroll support for your members. Right. But just to play devil's advocate, if airlines expect to be half the size they they were at the end of last year through the end of next year. Right. Do they need as many pilots? You know, I I I empathize with people that ask me that question because I get it. I get it often asked in a different way. Sometimes mm-hmm. is that okay? You know what most people kind of think about the airlines and the way they've conducted their business and things like that. And you know, some of that's true. Some of it's uh, you know a, a little bit mytho- mythological. But um, it's a tough business to be in. Right? It really is a tough business. We have an extraordinary level of, of, of collaboration, like you said earlier, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I'm standing astride CEOs. Nick Callio from A4A, Faye Milwaukee back, REA, and all the unions, right? Sarah Nelson from AFA and TWU mm-hmm. and IAM. We all get it, right? The president gets it. Everybody gets how important this industry is to the well-being of the country. And, and actually, the glo- it has a tremendous impact on the global economy. But to more specifically answer your question, and I alluded to this a little earlier. You know, when I'm in the airplane and something goes wrong, there's a firelight. Uh, say, in, a, in an engine or something like that, I know that's a priority, right? And I know that that's an immediate priority that I have to address. So I address it. If it doesn't work, I don't forget it, right? right. I don't let it go. And it's actually really, if people really saw, you know, you, you say you never, you never know what you have until it's gone, right? If the airline industry falters, um, you would see such widespread chaos, really, in a lot of ways. The, the things that we just come to normally expect. I mean, you look around your household and see how many things really came via aircraft, right? They, they came via an aircraft. I mean, not only I'm so proud of the industry, the way they come together, but I'm also very proud of the fact that we do something more than just contribute to the economy. It's culturally connects us a lot, mm-hmm. right? So my point is like, okay, we, we've recovered to about a third of what we had right now. And I know what IATA is, is, is forecasting. A lot of that, I believe, also can be mitigated by listening to one thing that Alpad stood for from number one was the requirement for a mandate. We know so much more now about what we could have and should have done, mm-hmm. right? 
But having a varied patchwork of compliance in terms of uh, disinfecting, contact tracing, those kind of PPE, all those kinds of things. If you notice, everybody's coming together now. Right. And the airlines are doing it from a voluntary standpoint. But really, when dealing with a crisis, again, I ask yourself a question. Would you do something voluntarily or, you know, as a suggestion? Or would you say that to protect everybody and to get people back on board and rebuild the confidence in the flying public again, I'd say a mandate was was pretty I still stand on that. It's it's it simplifies the it so much because, you know, and I know the pandemic doesn't care whether you're doing really, really good in one area and you're doing very poorly in another. Right. It it matters if it's uniform. So I would say you have to understand from a valuation standpoint, what does the aviation industry contribute? And it may take more right to to lessen the pain for everyone because it affects everyone. You may not know it, but like look at small communities and medium-sized communities. They've, as the majors have contracted their hub systems into you know, the core, just like when your body goes into shock, right? Mm-hmm. All the blood flow goes towards the core, same kind of principle. Um, if that's going to have dramatic effects on those small communities. And so we're linked in every way possible. Um, it's, I, I shudder to think what the world would look like. I mean, we're all starting to go through a little bit of, uh, you know, a psychological, wow, how long is this going to last? How long do I have to stay home and hear the dog bark every time I try to have a, you know, a meeting online? So I, I'm really confident. And in fact, if I may, and I know this is a lengthy answer, but no, no, please. We, APA saw this and we began uh, a welcome back, welcome aboard when we saw the numbers started to increase again. And in fact, we have a ready for takeoff uh, uh, initiative underway. And with the back, and by the way, uh, other uh, big, big companies are, and organizations are, are seeing the value in this. Boeing, Airbus, uh, NACA, National Air Carriers Association. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is say, look, look what we're doing to keep you safe. We, we operate in a restricted environment, right? We have total control of this environment almost. And which is why we've had such a low accident rate is we, we do exercise through data collection efforts, an incredible amount of control. And we could do that with this, but we just need to all decide on the wisdom of mandate, I believe, because it makes it easier for everybody. There's no confusion on the part of the public that one airline's not blocking seats, the other one is. Uh, this airport's doing things this way and this airport's not. But I will tell you this, Together, working with the airlines, we've really reached about as close as we could come to a mandate. All right. But really, I expect a little bit more out of our regulator, right, Mm -hmm. the FAA, to see the wisdom of that. And that will get us on the road faster. So when you say man, no, 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 great. So I have two follow ups to that. So when you say a mandate, you mean uh, something from the Transportation Department or the FAA that that sets a standard for things like middle seats, cleanliness, facial coverings, right. et cetera, right? right. I, and I, this, is, this is something that's been lacking. And I know, um, you know, your union, the um, AFA, the um, Association of Flight Attendants, right. PW, have been very outspoken about the need for federal regulation in this regard. Yeah. Um, so you're, are you, you're conti- what are you hearing from, you know, your, uh, your, your peers on the on the hill and in yeah. um, what are you hearing from lawmakers? Yeah. What are you hearing yeah. from the regulators? Is there is there movement towards a mandate? Most people see the wisdom of it, and again, just like they see the wisdom of 
knowing that there's a need for a secondary package of some sort, whether it's standalone mm -hmm. legislation for just for aviation or it's a part of a greater package, they all see it. Um, but let's just say, in my view, if I was to analyze what the problem is, we live in a time when there are some pretty heavily charged political particles that are floating around in the air right now. <laughs> right, yeah. Did I put well, that as gently as I could? Yes, um, you but you know what I mean? Everybody <laughs> understands they're just trying to find the proper vehicle. But I just remind everybody, uh, as they look for that solution, just remember there's a lot of people out there, real people, uh, people who put them in power, by the way. <laughs> you know, I still believe mm -hmm. in this constitution who are going without right now, who are looking at losing homes and losing health care. Um, pretty serious stuff going on out there in the world right now. And, and you know, uh, when you consider that some of these essential workers and what they were willing to put on the line early on, only to find themselves now on the street hmm. with no health care, uh, you know, it's a shame. And I, and, you know, I hate to bring this up, Madhu, but let me let me ask you a question. You know, for the very first time in the history of America, the Fed now is infusing money into the marketplace, right? Not only not only buying, you know, treasuries, right? Things like that, putting more money right. into the market. They're buying corporate debt, okay? They are buoying up the companies, right? To keep the market afloat right now, right? I mean, we basically have zero interest rates, really, when you think about it, right? In terms of real right. value. but. They're pouring money not only into direct corporate debt, but also through buying ETFs, exchange traded funds. So I would suggest that we take a little bit of that feverish haste that they used to do that, to address the human needs and the worker needs and realize just what we're coming up against. It seems like there's two economies. We've got a raging stock market, although today it's quite down, but we got this raging stock market, yet we got the a very high unemployment rate, an incredibly high unemployment. It's gone down a little bit, but it's still there. Um, it seems like there's this dichotomy between two economies and two realities for people. There's a lot of people that can't invest in the stock market because they're about to get kicked out of their homes. And I just, I just say that for both sides of the aisle to remind themselves of what's at stake at the moment. Yeah, this has been described as, by some as a K-shaped recovery. A K-shaped recovery, you know, exactly. The, sort of right. a V on the top for, yep. for those yep. on the top and a, sure. a, a downward sloping Exactly. Curve for, you can't ignore that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, if you just, uh, I'm an old poli-sci major, just look through history, it never turns out well if you no. ignore that half, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, absolutely. Uh, right, so. All right, so, and to follow up to the question I asked a few minutes ago, um, you so the mandate you think will will boost if there is a mandate from the tra transportation department that has the force of law um do you do you think that will spur air travel demand is that and and sort of prevent the need for more payroll support or mm -hmm. payroll support is sort of a bridge to when demand starts to recover well, we're going to need the payroll support regardless i mean to, mm -hmm. to keep this because we want to be poised to be able to recover this economy and you know if you lose a pilot uh, and or any other highly skilled job, right? That's uh, sent, considered to be an essential worker. Um, it's not like it could flip a switch for us right. to maintain. These are highly trained individuals go through regular training, and depending on what training they've missed or what have you know has expired, um, you could talk months to a year to get people back on, which would slow the recovery down, right? Because you can't. If you remember, it was tough to get pilots in the cockpit to begin with when the industry was at its height, right? Right. I mean, we, we were trying to get as many as we could possibly in. So imagine now we've, through an effort to save their fellow pilots' jobs and save their companies, many pilots retired. Over right. 2,500 in ALPA, right, have, have decided they're not coming back. 
Okay, they're never coming back. And then you take the ones that are now uh, finding themselves on the street. You're looking at a real gap in terms of a seesaw effect uh, or an accordion effect, rather, that it would take to get them up and running again. So I, I think, you know, these are really it's it's not a simple answer to these kinds of questions and that's why it's necessary in a crisis you want leaders to be proactive right and -hmm. to understand the nature of the problem and since aviation is so tied to the economy it really it would be a very foolish decision to ignore it and i'm just just saying it because you know i believe in uh, obviously i believe in this industry in so many ways but i also look at things through the lens of the dignity of work and what it means to people out there there's some people that are really hurting right now and we need, you know, we're better than this here in the United States. We can, we can do both things. We can chew bubble gum, walk at the same time. We now have to do this. <laughs> Everybody gets it right. The president right. understands he wants to do it. Mnuchin wants to do it. Pelosi wants to do it. Um, Peter DeFazio, House TNI chairman, fantastic right. individual. He gets it. Roger Wicker, right? Uh, Republican mm-hmm. Senator uh, that commerce science and, uh, and transportation in the, in the Senate been extraordinarily helpful in this just trying to find the right mechanism to make it happen. And just to clarify for our listeners, and uh, please correct me if I get the details wrong, Senators Susan Collin and yeah. um, of Maine and, and Roger Wicker of Mississippi introduced a standalone bill for payroll support in the Senate last uh, in, in September, I believe, or, right, you're right. or August. And okay. um, Chairman DeFazio has also been pushing a, a yeah. House counterpart to that that sure. would extend the payroll support program. And of course, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin have been negotiating on a larger coronavirus uh, federal a- stimulus package that would include aviation. more aviation, about twenty five right. bil- billion dollars more, if I'm correct. Which the skinny bill did not, by the way. That that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> that's right. So the McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader's bill, did not contain that. So yeah. so there are a lot of vehicles on the hill on Capitol Hill that are moving. Um, and could offer relief for the industry. Right. Um, and uh, I wanted to return, though, to something that you said that just stood out to me. That 20, I, I didn't realize this. In covering the day-to-day of the furloughs and, and all the things that are happening with the industry, 2,500 pilots are retired, alpha pilots. Yeah. That's right. Right. And that's just now, for us. This is, you know, American is not part of our union, right? right? They're separate. And, they're, and I know the president over there, Eric Ferguson, and the same situation is happening over there. Right. And um, and I believe uh, same with SWAPA, right? Yes, right. Uh, John Weeks is the president over there in SWAPA mm-hmm. and they've been doing the same thing. We talk, by the way. We, we right. <clears throat> so 20, I mean, 2,500 pilots. When, when the, that, that's an enormous amount, an enormous number of years of training and years oh, of experience that just out walked the door, out the door. Right. Is there even a pipeline? When demand starts to return, if it returns quickly, is there even a pipeline to replace those pilots? Okay. Alpa has invested so heavily in the development of that pipeline. I'm so glad you asked that question. We have a group called the Professional Development Group, right? And it consists of membership committee, leadership committee, and the educational committee, all right? We have outreach to 12 universities and through letters of agreement, we actually have Alpa sponsored training programs and everything in there. So 
We, I even, uh, you know, I've gone to Emory Riddle. I've spoken to the students there. Fantastic experience. I'm now going to even start on the, on the grammar school level, on the elementary huh. school level to talk to young people. And also, I started the President's Committee for Diversity and Inclusion. Uh, I did it in beginning in 2019. And who knew that would be a very big issue <laughs> right now, right? right. But yeah. when you look at the number of uh, uh, female pilots and I, my own daughter's a, a pilot. My wife is a pilot. They're oh, wow. rare, but they got it from me. Obviously, the influence from me. But um, but there's so many people that don't recognize this industry as even a possibility in their lives. They may have some tough socioeconomic problems, mm-hmm. or you know, just find themselves in situations. Um, and that's why I started that diversity and inclusion group because I wanted every a person that thinks about aviation, whether it's piloting or maintenance or engineering or management or whatever, is to look at this as a welcoming profession, right? That's inclusive and that, um, you know, all that matters to us is uh, training, right? Everybody has to meet the same standard, but I'd like to increase those numbers a little bit. But over the years, we have invested literally tens of millions of dollars on this effort to keep the flow of people coming to the Indian industry. And I'll ask yourself, I'll ask you a question. Why is it harder? Why did it get so hard? And I don't think it takes much imagination to realize you love just people that love flying. If somebody, if somebody lives and breathes flying like I do, right? For me not to do it, to make a different choice, something must be very wrong here, right? And what it is, is it's the entry stage into the airline industry that's the toughest. Now, I was military, I was a Marine, okay? I could mm. tell by the haircut, right? <laughs> um, but um, never went away. But the, um, you know, on the if you, if you did it civilian-wise, right? Like my own daughter, the regional airlines are particularly tough because, uh, and Faye Malarkey Black and I, the president over there, we talk mm-hmm. about this all the time, about how do we build a better construct? Right now they have this construct called fee for departure where there's capacity purchase agreements, they call them, that they right. make with the majors, right? And it doesn't matter whether there's one person on the airplane or is full, they get paid a fee for that departure. But what ends up happening is in that environment is one company competes against another and they we call it whipsawing them down to the lowest common denominator, which is cost. And it ends up hold, holding down wages, holding down any kind of quality of life issues. So it's really difficult for somebody to spend literally over $100,000 on their education. Risk you have blood pressure rising up a little bit and losing everything they just worked for. Or worse yet, to have a pandemic and like my express jet pilots, 1,400 pilots are on the street right now because right. United because the decision was made to put that to the lower cost carrier, right? And they lost their contract. So who wants to be part of that? Who wants to take that risk? And I contend uh, that there is a better model out there that we can propose that gives our majors that want that flow into their hubs, not only not only the cost effectiveness that they're looking for, but the stability in their systems. Because I, I'm pretty sure that they're not too thrilled about having to pull in those systems now from these smaller communities. They'd like to serve them, they just can't afford to serve them. So we've got to, we've got to develop a better aviation system here. And ALPA contends, and I contend, that while my last two years, I'm gonna focus on what the FAA is doing right and what we think they could be doing better. Um, you know, how we integrate uh, unmanned aerial systems into our airspace, along with commercial space, which is actually their capabilities are just really incredibly expanding. So we're for a holistic, universal, you know, shared airspace kind of system. But we want to, we want people to come into these industries, because this is what's going to make America grow. 
Right. And we have ideas. We just need, you know, we, we have an opinion. <laughs> Always yeah, do. But in, Wait, in you, the I, well, we, oh, you, I, I'm just going to tell you one more thing. The reason we have an opinion is not because we think we have one. It's because we have the largest, a lot of your listeners probably won't know this, but we have the largest non-governmental safety organization in the world. That's, we have engineers and, and, mm -hmm. and folks working on problems all the time. Everything from aircraft design, human factors that goes into our training, airports, uh, accident analysis and prevention. We have accident analysis teams. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And security-wise, same thing. Our pilot assistance programs and our jump seat programs. So um, if you get me talking about what we do, I'll do this forever. But <laughs> I'm just so proud of them because it's like literally about 500 pilots backed up by a huge staff of people. We're on every aviation rulemaking committee. We're part of every, and, and we command a great deal of respect. Uh, uh, Secretary Chow has just been extraordinarily helpful with us. So she's done a, a good job herself, so. Uh, you know, um, I wanna take this question from the audience. Um, yeah, sure. It's kind of interesting. Um, so the question is from an anonymous listener. Yeah. I, I understand wanting the government aid yeah. But does it make sense to get the money now? Wouldn't it make sense to get the money in March when things, once things start opening? People yeah. may not want to travel between right. now and March, but in March they might. Yeah. So what's your what? And that is a good and that is a good question. Okay. And and it's a one I'm just waiting to answer. Remember I okay. told you about that fire in the cockpit, right? You got to put it out, right? Right. There's no waiting. You wouldn't want me to do that if I was doing that. What and and how I relate that is this. Because of how intricately linked aviation is into our economy right now, which most people don't know. I mean, we have, uh, like, I worked for FedEx for 33 years. Extraordinary company. Absolutely extraordinary company. Um, their logistics, right, their business, their supply chain, uh, global supply chain uh, systems, um, their integrated vertical industries that they do, they call them, like the pharmaceuticals and things like that. Folks, that would that comes to a standstill, right? If you lose this industry, and and you would think, well, well, the car cargo carriers are doing good. Not all the cargo carriers, right? They're all trying to do as best as they can to keep up with the demand right now. But that, together with moving people from healthcare workers across the country to you know, COVID hotspots, um, we're so tied to the industry. If 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 you what. You have to understand how we do. We they don't just throw us the keys to the airplane. And say, okay, go fly, <laughs> right? Welcome back. <laughs> Here's a cup of coffee. Go go do your job. It's not like that. It's it it takes the reason why we have the safest system in the world. We have not had an accident since COVID. Not COVID since uh, the Colgan accident, right? Many many years ago in New York, 2009, right? yeah, 2000, right? yeah, February, right, February 12, 2009 is because of our data collection efforts, a very scientific approach to what we do. And we've now gone from almost a forensic approach to an accident investigation, like we'd wait for something to happen and figure out why it happened, right? Now we actually, through our services that, I don't know if you're familiar with MITRE, but they pr provide, it's, it's fascinating. We're able to have a risk predictive model. That takes training. That takes all stakeholders working 24 seven. It's, it's an active will that we do that. We've lowered the accident fatality risk since 2009. You ready for this? They shot it. They, they, their target was 80%. At, after the 10-year period, we hit, we hit uh, 83%, and now we're upwards of 90% risk reduction. My point is, if you break this, we can't get it back online. It may never look the same as it looked, and that's what we're trying to tell you, is that if you want 
to see the rest of your life and experiences and your work improve the hospitality industries, restaurants, those kind of things. We're tied to that. We're com- intricately tied to that. So it's, it's, it's just the way it is. It's, it's the hierarchy. Uh, it's a Maslow's hierarchy of airline <laughs> needs. I mean, of econ- economic needs. It really is. And why do you think they gave us the money in the first place? They right. recognize it. They recognize that, that closeness. So, so put it another way, I mean, to answer Anonymous's question another way, I mean, and correct, correct me if I, you know, if I heard this yeah. incorrectly, you know, the, if airlines start to furlough pilots, highly pilots that need to maintain their currency and their yeah. licenses and all right. that, I, you know, if you're not flying for an airline, you're not doing your right. required takeoffs and take takeoffs and landings every month. Right. Yeah, so, um, uh, oh, is Helene Becker. Thank you. That's anonymous. We know who anonymous is now. Um, Thank you for the question. So in other words, if, if airlines have to furlough their dozens and dozens of pilots, they won't be able to ramp back up when they got, if they got the money in March. Right. No, they need it now. We need it yesterday. Um, You know, it's never too late to do the right thing. (laughs) I'm going to tell everybody (laughs) this. Okay. Uh, We, we had hoped that everybody would see the wisdom of it and they did see the wisdom of it. Unfortunately, those, political particles I talked to you about, I think are having a big uh, influence on why it hasn't, you know, each, each side is trying to, you know, establish their turf. I just want to remind them that um, bec- for the very reasons that we did it in the first place, because everybody acknowledged the importance of it and how it's tied. I could tell you the stock market, they, they won't, that won't react real well to the fact that this goes on forever or it's looking like, you know, February of something. Because I, I venture to guess that by then, you know, medical certificates, landing currencies, simulated training, all those kind of things, you're looking at a, a much higher degree of pain for all workers, all workers, not just aviation workers, okay? That's why we're essential employees. That's why they call us essential employees. If we weren't essential, I wouldn't be making this argument. Um, but it was us who were flying into the hand of Wuhan when the court, yeah. you know, it was us who were flying in and out of Guangzhou. Uh, and our companies did a magnificent job, both FedEx and Coletta did an incredible job of, of doing that. And, you know, when we when uh, in the beginning, we weren't sure what we were dealing with. And when we brought up some of our concerns about some of the safety stuff, FedEx and Coletta and everybody, they responded magnificently. So um, we're working together. It's a partnership, but it's a partnership for America and it's a partnership for the greater global economy as well. Well, Captain DePete, we're we're out of time. You know, I, I'd like to have you back on once some of these oh, part- yeah. particles uh, settle in or cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something would be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, we've got an election in a week, just yep. over a week, right? But that doesn't, that's not the end of the game for this. There's I hope we don't have to wait that long. But I, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe the group, right. two groups will come together. But we'll try. There's hoping. All right. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. And uh, to our listeners, once again, we will have this uh, this the video replay of this on our website, airlineweekly.com, later today. The audio podcast will be available later in the week uh, at uh, on, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're on our site, please, uh, Skift will be hosting the first annual Skift Aviation Forum on November 19th in right. partnership with Dallas-Fort Worth. And um, check us out at forum.skift.com. Captain DePete, thank you very much. Thanks, Madhu, and thanks to your listeners. I really appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye.